The following has been prepared solely for informational purposes, and it is not an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security. The information presented today is the opinion of the firm and is not intended as investment advice and should not be used as such. Welcome to Biblically Based Wealth Management with your host, Kevin Bruce. On this show, Kevin combines academic, behavioral, and biblical financial principles to separate the wheat from the chaff in investing and retirement planning. Now, here's your host, Kevin Bruce. As the former boxing heavyweight world champion Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. I like that quote because it's both funny and there's a lot of truth behind it for both boxing and finance. Because even in the sport of boxing where getting punched in the face is just part of the game and it should be expected, people are not always prepared to handle the reality of it. I've been involved with boxing in one form or another for over 25 years during which I've owned a couple of boxing gyms and during that time I've trained hundreds of boxers. One thing that most people don't know is that about 90% of the people that go to a boxing gym go there for other reasons than to actually fight. Most people are there to lose weight, get in shape, relieve stress, build self-confidence, or maybe learn self-defense. But only a few actually want to get into the ring and fight. But of those that actually want to compete, that other 10%, they're required to make a total commitment because boxing is not a weekend sport. It's not a game that you play. It's a lifestyle. You have to be fully committed. What you eat, how much you sleep, what you do during your spare time can either help you or hurt you in the ring. Because when you're in the boxing ring, it's all on you. It's not like basketball or football. There's no bench that you can go sit on when you're having a bad day and let your teammates pick up the slack. When you're having a bad day in boxing, you are all you have to get out of that bad situation. The only thing you can count on when you get in the ring is your preparation. How well prepared are you? Because minor injury is imminent and even severe injury including death, is within the realm of possibility. So in that formula that decides where you'll end up on that continuum from minor injury to serious injury or death, there's two primary variables that you can control. And that's how well prepared are you and did you stick to your plan? Because we can't control how powerful or fast an opponent is. You can only control how well you prepared for them And your game plan to deal with them. So that when you're in the ring with them, you have a way to win. So despite only 10% of boxing gym members actually becoming fighters, approximately 50% of them, gym members, think they want to fight when they first join the gym. Because before it becomes a reality, it's just an idea. Maybe even a dream. But the reality of being a fighter is much different than the dream of being one. So when someone would come to the gym and say... I want to fight. I want to be the next world champion. One question I always like to ask them is, what do you think the object of the sport is? And nine times out of 10, they would say something along the lines of to hit and not get hit. And then I would tell them the reality of boxing is the object is to hit and not get hit as much or as hard. But beyond the shadow of a doubt, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit harder than you've ever been hit before. And you're going to get hit a lot more than you've ever been hit before. But if you're lucky, They'll say you won the fight. And that's what a lot of people don't take the time to think about is that boxing is judged on a relative basis, meaning the winner isn't the person who didn't get hit. It's the person that didn't get 
beat up as much, but oftentimes they still got beat up. I was a judge for USA Boxing for about 18 years, and I can tell you that often the difference between a winner and a loser in a boxing match often comes down to some technical aspect, whether they got a point or didn't get a point during the fight. It's not so much that one person totally dominates the other one or knocks them out completely. Those things do happen, but it's more the exception than the rule in boxing. Because fighters are typically matched by similar age, similar weight, similar experience, and so on. Because the goal of the promoter is to have a good boxing match where skills are displayed, not to just drag a lamb to the slaughter. So a lot of people would think twice once they understood that oftentimes the physical pain that the winner has after the fight is often the same or very close to the physical pain that the loser has after the fight. It's just not accompanied with the emotional pain that the loser has to deal with. So the first lesson here is to understand what you're actually up against, what winning actually feels like and be prepared for it. Your investment portfolio, even if it's a conservative portfolio, will have times when it's it will fluctuate in value and sometimes it may fluctuate more than you're comfortable with. But you need to understand that that is okay and that that is expected from the market. So just like a fighter needs to set realistic expectations knowing that they will get punched, it is going to happen. We as investors need to know in advance that there will be market volatility. And when it comes, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're losing or that we're doing something wrong. The key part is that you have a plan, a plan that incorporates this reality and a plan to succeed despite of it. So now that we have some realistic expectations about what's to come, what we're getting into, let's talk about how to prepare a plan to succeed. And a fight plan and a financial plan are very similar. They're both created in the comfort of a safe environment. You're completely rational. You have all your faculties. You have all the time in the world to think through what would be the most appropriate steps to take in a given scenario. You can look at historical performance, and then you can create the most probable strategy for your success. But when the situation actually happens and you get punched in the face, either by the market or by an opponent, you start to panic. You start to doubt your plan. Although it's your plan is still as good as it ever was, it's still your best chance at success. The act of actually living it out is much more difficult than just writing out the plan. And there's certain emotions that come along with getting hit in the face, the pain, the discomfort, the fear of more of that. What you're looking for is the quickest exit out of the situation. In the words of my old boxing trainer, Tom Seymour, his quote was, don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. And that's 100% the truth because in the heat of the situation, all you want to do is get out of the situation. You want to relieve the pain. But the question is, if you do that, what else are you sacrificing? Are you sacrificing your long-term goals and your capabilities of obtaining them just to get some immediate relief from a temporary situation? The same can be said about your investment plan. We all know that the market goes up and the market goes down. And we all plan to stay invested and be long-term investors but when the inevitable volatility comes, people start to panic. And then to make it worse, we hear on the news that this time is different. And then they'll interview so-called experts that tell us that earnings are dropping, inflation's rising, or, or whatever rationale they have for their doom and gloom prediction. But the reality is the market is up about 75% of the time. This time is no different than last time. Sure, the, the triggering event for this time may be different than the other events over the past 20 years or so. But we've been through Y2K, we've been through an internet bubble, housing market crisis, 
financial crisis, global pandemic, but the markets keep climbing to all-time highs. So let's discuss the most common bad ideas that people come up with during periods of volatility. And although I call them bad ideas, in the heat of the moment when your account value is down, they will sound like an interesting idea, maybe even a good idea. But that is why they're so dangerous. They offer you immediate relief from your unpleasant situation, but in return, they can rob you of your long-term goals. So what are those three bad ideas? The first is to sell. Just move to cash, wait for the storm to be over, and then get back in. The second is to just quit, get off the roller coaster, move to a slow-growing portfolio, and just sail off into the sunset. And the third is to follow the siren songs of safe money investments. Let's take a rational look at the facts regarding those options to see if they are as good as they seem. The first, why not sell and move to cash? The short answer is that no one has demonstrated the ability to do this on a consistent basis. And remember, the difference between good and lucky is consistency. The long-term results of a market timing strategy or a risk-on, risk-off strategy are far less than if you would just stay invested. They feel good at the time though because you get out and maybe you get out before the bottom so you'll have a couple weeks or months while you're doing well because you're you're sitting happy in cash and your friends are groaning because their account values continue to go down. But what ultimately plays out over time is that you won't get back in the right time and you're going to miss the rise of the market. JP Morgan Research did a study over a 20-year period and they found the average annual market return over that time period was 7.5%. But if you missed the best 10 days. So out of an entire 20 year time period, if you miss just 10 days, your return would be 3.4%. So less than half if you had stayed in the market. And the kicker to this is that seven of the best 10 days that you cannot miss happened within two weeks of the 10 worst days. So the likelihood of a person getting out when the market starts to go down and then getting back in within two weeks of one of the worst days in 20 years is almost zero. Not only because of the behavioral reluctancy one would have to get back in, but you're so scared to get out of the market in the first place. When you see one of the worst days in 20 years, you're not going to be so quick to jump back in. But also, you won't know which day qualifies as one of the 10 worst days in a 20-year time frame until that time frame is over. So even the research supports market timing strategies cut the individual investor's performance in half. So if your plan is to get out of the market, if the market goes down, you'll quite possibly eliminate your opportunity to achieve your long-term goals in order to meet your short-term goal of not being in the market. A different study conducted by Dalbar shows that over a different 20-year time period, the average mutual fund investor's return was about 33% less than the market return. And it was primarily contributed to human nature, People sell when they get scared, which tends to be towards the bottom of the market. And people buy when they get greedy, which tends to be towards the top of the market. Now let's discuss why not move to a more conservative portfolio. Why not just pull out and get into something comfortable, sleep well at night, and sail off into the sunset? Well, I need to start this section with a disclaimer. I'm going to assume that you are currently appropriately invested. And chances are 60% of the people listening are not appropriately invested. And the way to know if you are or you are not appropriately invested is to answer this question with a yes. And that question is, do you have a year-by-year cash flow-based financial plan that starts today and goes through 
you or your spouse's life expectancy and takes into account all the necessary cash flows for you and your spouse, if applicable, to live, give, and grow your wealth the way that you want to? If the answer is yes, if that has been established at the beginning before you made your investments, then continue listening. If the answer is no, hit pause and come back when your answer is yes. Because if you haven't had someone figure out what the life you want is going to cost you, how do you know how much money you need? Because it is that number that tells us how to invest your money. Some people may need a 6% return. Some may need an 8% return. Some may need to go back to the drawing board. But what you don't want to do is assume a higher return is always better because sometimes a higher return can come at a cost that will ruin you financially. You need to have a plan based on what you want so that you can have a real benchmark for performance that matters. Okay, that's the end of my disclaimer. You're still listening, so I'm going to assume that you are appropriately invested. Now, why not move to a more conservative portfolio when things in the market turn bad? Well, your investment portfolio was selected as it gave you the best chance to fund the lifestyle activities that are important to you. It gives you the best chance to earn the return necessary to meet your needs and goals. From the onset, your portfolio should have been stress test, looking at different inflation scenarios, bear markets, a decrease in Social Security, an increase in taxes, and so on, to give you the best probability of success, despite all of those potential headwinds. And if your plan has been developed in this manner, then just like a fight plan, although there may be some temporary discomfort, you knew it was going to come at some point, and your current strategy still provides you with the best chance to succeed. And to move to something more conservative would mean to move to something with a lower return expectation. It will have lower volatility, so it will be more comfortable, but along with that will come a lower return expectation. What that means is now you're not going to have the return necessary to fund these things you plan. So now you must either change your expectations for your future lifestyle or go on naively believing you're still going to be able to do them only to find out eventually that you will not be able to. And third, the siren songs of safe money. I'm sure you're all aware of the sirens of Greek mythology who were creatures that lived on the rocky shores and lured sailors to their doom. You know, the sailors were drawn to them because of their pretty songs, but then they realized it was too late and they were going to crash into the rocks. Well, that's what I think of the weekend radio shows and the advertisements that tell you about safe investments, the type of investments that promise the upside of the market, but none of the loss. I call these the siren songs of safe money because... They sound sweet. They tell you everything you want to hear. You get full participation in the market's positive return, protection from the market losses. Maybe even they guarantee a minimum return. What could go wrong? You know, especially in times of market volatility, this sounds like a great idea. Well, let's start with the obvious. These strategies tend to attract people who are most concerned with losing all of their money. When you invest in one of these schemes, what you're actually doing is the opposite of diversification. You're putting all of your money into one company. You're putting all of your eggs into one basket. And sure, the salesman will probably tell you it's linked to a diversified index that could be companies all over the world, but the actual obligation to pay is based on one company's promise. So let's think about this. If you are worried about losing all of your money, what would need to happen for you to actually lose all of your money if you were in, say, a conservative investment portfolio? Well, the markets would need to go to zero. And as a refresher, the markets are made up of all public companies worldwide, 
banks, insurance companies, utilities, technology companies, everything worldwide. The markets are also made up of government securities. So in addition to all the companies going out of business, all governments would either need to cease to exist or at least cease to have the ability to tax, spend, and create debt. And I don't think it's possible to have a government if you don't have those. Anyway, now while we can all agree that that scenario is most likely never going to happen, some people out of their immense fear of losing all their money will abandon their diversified portfolio for this promise of safe money. In doing so, they take their money out of their diversified portfolio. Again, that represents hundreds or thousands of companies and governments worldwide, and they put it into the one insurance company because they said it was, quote, guaranteed. So for those people, let's just go through a quick question and answer on that strategy. Question. If the world fails according to their doomsday market prediction, how would this one company survive and be able to pay all claims? Answer. They wouldn't. Guarantees are meaningless when there's nothing left. But again, I give the probability of this scenario a 0% chance of actually happening. Question. What do you think they are doing with your money to be able to pay you what they promise you? Answer. They invest your money in the same thing you just ran from because they know that is what works best. The difference is, since they told you that you had a guarantee, they'll charge you exorbitant fees severely reduce or remove your access to your own money, or penalize you if you need to pull it out sooner than expected, they'll pay you a fraction of the return that they earn with your money, all while being fully invested in the same market you thought you just got out of. I give this scenario a probability of 100%. Now let's take the last couple minutes to focus on the volatility of life. As Christians, how do we stick to God's game plan when the inevitable volatility of life hits us? Well, the answer is no different than the approach you take in both boxing and finance. You do three things. First, you need to know what are you actually up against? What are you really getting into? Second, you need to prepare yourself for it and have a plan. Third, you need to stick to the game plan even when the going gets rough. Thankfully, God knew this in advance and he told us how to take all three of these steps very succinctly in Ephesians. In Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. So there you have it. In those three verses, God just gave us an outline for everything we need to know about how to deal with the volatility of life. First, we need to know, what are we up against? These verses tell us that we're up against rulers, authorities, and spiritual forces of evil. Next, we need to know, how do we prepare ourselves? How do we have a plan? These verses tell us to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the tactics of the devil. And we also need to know, how do we stick to this plan? And this verse tells us that if we put on the full armor of God, we will be able to take a stand, to hold our ground, to stick to the plan that God has for us. In the following verses, the armor of God is further described so we can understand exactly how to prepare and protect ourselves and stick to God's game plan for our lives. I'll leave those verses for you to read, but I'd like to point out that I believe the key to putting on the armor of God and keeping it on is God's word, the sword of the spirit. Swords are used for both offense and defense, and although the concept of reading the word daily is very simple, many can't find the time to do it. Well, my old boxing trainer said it best. Don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. 
So if the kingdom of God is what you really want, if you really want to live a life according to God's will, you must put on the full armor of God. You must get into the word daily so that you know what you need to do. You understand your plan and you can protect yourself against the schemes of the devil. And you cannot get distracted by all these things that we want now, but ultimately are just getting in the way and preventing us from achieving what we want most. And I'll leave you with one last parting thought. There's a rule in boxing that's so important that it's the first thing you learn and it's repeated by the referee before every fight, whether it's an amateur fight or a world championship prize fight. And that rule is protect yourself at all times. In boxing, the most dangerous punch is the one you don't see. But if you follow this advice, you'll be better prepared to endure it. The same can be said for our Christian walk. Protect yourself at all times, meaning... Keep the full armor of God on at all times because the devil is constantly trying to knock us out and the most dangerous punch could be the one we don't see. That's it for today. God bless.